Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Your parents thought, I hope, long and hard about your name. Names have meanings. Names have echoes in history. When I was four years old, my dad adopted me. My, uh, I belonged to my mom. She was divorced. She married Ben Madison. And they took me to the judge, and I had to say, yes, I wanted him to be my dad, which I did. And then the judge said these words, my mother will never forget. Would you like to change your name to Benjamin, the judge asked me. And I would have been Benjamin Madison. No, I said. I was four years old. I like being a chipmunk. That's what I said. Because we all know my given name, which we never use, is Alvin. Right? 1964. Do, 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 do. Are you ready, boys? Alvin, Alvin, Alvin! Four years old, I made a decision that affected the rest of my life. Now, you've heard me talk. My oldest son's name is Benjamin. Benjamin in Hebrew means either son of my strength or son of my right hand. My middle son's name is Jonathan, which means God is gracious or gift of God. By the way, those gifts are not returnable. We tried. No, not really. And uh, Diana's name is a Greek name, and it means perfect. And uh, if you've ever seen my daughter, she's perfect. And I hope she listens to this because we spent a lot of time together, and I asked her to stop at 10 because she said 10 was the perfect number, but she kept growing. Zacchaeus' parents thought long and hard about his name. And I know you don't speak Hebrew, but you can type it into your phone if you want to see if I'm telling the truth. Zacchaeus in Hebrew means clean, pure, and innocent. That was the name his parents gifted him with. Clean, pure, and innocent. And what did he grow up to be? A tax collector. Not a tax collector like the IRS, but a tax collector who worked with the Romans, those pagans, that all we wanted to do was toss them out. So I got to tell you that Zacchaeus' mom probably didn't brag about him behind his back. We named him pure. We raised him right, she said, but who knows? God knew his name, and he knew his heart, and he knew what Zacchaeus could be. God knows your name, God knows your heart, and God knows what you could be. I want you to think about this. We have no information as to why Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. I wish we did, but we don't. Now, you know, Vicki and I like to see bands, and there's different reasons we see a band. One is, they might be nostalgic. You remember last year about this time, we went to see the last two living monkeys. We saw Mike Nesbitt and Mickey Dolans, because I grew up, well, maybe we all did. I love the monkeys. I wanted to hear them because Mike Nesbitt was getting quite old, and if you remember, he passed just after that. 
So I wanted to see them because I knew this would be like my last chance to see them, which is why we went to see Elton John on his farewell tour. Then COVID hit and he decided he liked his farewell tour so much, he's doing it again. He's on his second farewell tour. I won't be buying tickets to that one, right? Right, we wanted to see him because this might be your last chance. Uh, my son Jonathan and I were blessed. We got to see B.B. King just before he died. Well, we like music of any genre. I, uh, maybe I should stop seeing old musicians because I saw Charlie Daniels before he died too. But it was my last chance. Sometimes we go to see a band because we really like their music. Now, we're not saying we didn't like the music of those other musicians, but there's a song that really speaks to you and you want to go hear them just to have them hear that song, right? Maybe Zacchaeus went to see Jesus because it was his last chance. He'd never seen Jesus and he wanted to say, yeah, I saw Jesus. Maybe he went because he had heard a story about Jesus or a story that Jesus had told that spoke to his heart. Maybe he even heard the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Who knows? Sometimes we go because we have what the teenagers call FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out, right? Everybody else saw Jesus. Everybody says, yeah, I saw, well, I, I didn't see Jesus. And your shoulders hump a little and you, right? Sometimes we go to a band because we don't want to miss out. I'll be honest, I went to see Kiss. Not a big Kiss fan, but you know, They've got all the makeup and the pyrotechnics. And I didn't want one day to say, you know what? I had the opportunity and I didn't go. Sometimes we go because we're curious. Sometimes we go because we want to hear what's happening new. Uh, Vicky and I love Straight No Chaser. And they're always coming up with a new arrangement and a new song and a new mix. We don't know why Zacchaeus went. But you know what we do know? Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus to touch his heart and to change him. Now, many of you may have seen My Fair Lady, and it's a shame that Anita went off to teach uh, Sunday school because she loves a good musical. And uh, I was... Alfred P. Dudelow, I played the dad of My Fair Lady in college. It was my first adult role, and they were all amazed at the quality of my Cockney English accent. Well, if you grew up with a man named Benjamin Madison who came to this country in 1959, I just channeled my inward Ben. But at the end of the play, after Eliza has been transformed into a, an elegant woman... And she realizes that she's in love with the professor who in the movie was played by Rex Harrison. They have a conflict, and this is what she says. She says, really and truly, apart from things anyone can pick up, dressing the proper way of speaking and so on, the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she behaves, but how she's treated. She said, I shall always be a flower girl to Professor Higgins, because he treats me like a flower girl. And to Professor Pickering, she says, but I know I can be a lady to you because you always treat me like a lady. Think about that. 
How do we treat the people in our lives? Do we treat them like sinners or do we treat them like potential saints? Zacchaeus was a sinner. His job was a sinful job. He was stealing from the people of God. And yet Jesus didn't see a sinner. He saw a potential saint. I, I was preparing this sermon and I was remembering a couple weeks ago when we talked about the 90 and 9 and the shepherd went out to find the lost sheep. Well, well let me put it to you this way. Some people are bored and burned out and lonely, and many people have tried to substitute the accumulation of things for a good relationship. But no matter how much they get, something is still missing. That resonates with last week's sermon with climbing the ladder rather than using the bridge. Their pipe does not go down deep enough to draw living water, and they feel lost. It's like a little boy who was separated from his parents in a large shopping center. The security department quickly located the child and took him to an office while the frantic parents were paged over the address system. One of the security guards got a large ice cream cone for the boy, so when his parents arrived at the office, there was their son happily eating an ice cream cone. Suddenly, as his parents embraced him, the child burst into tears. One of the security guards said, gosh, he didn't know he was lost until he was found. I wonder if the sheep was aware that the sheep was lost. I'm embarrassed to say that this happened in our family when Diana was about four or five years old. We went to Blockbuster, and you know I miss Blockbuster, but the Blockbuster over in Voorhees at the Holly Ravine Plaza was right on the end, and CVS was at the other end. So I've got the boys at Blockbuster, and their mom says, I'm going to run down to CVS. Then I'll swing around with the van. You get the videos. So I've got the videos. i got the boys. We'll hop in the van, and we're driving home, and I say, where's Diana? <laughs> and the wife says, uh, I thought she was with you. And I say, I thought she was with you. We instantly turn the minivan back. We go, Diana never knew that we left her. She was still in the family videos, just looking at the videos. She had no idea that she was lost. And it occurred to me that Zacchaeus might not even know that he needed Jesus. If we're so busy climbing, this resonates with last week, can we even see the need for Jesus? Again, whether we know we're lost or not, Jesus sees us. Now, I want you to think about this. Luke was a historian. Luke never met Jesus. Luke interviewed and collected stories. That's what it says at the beginning of his gospel. And he constructed, uh, as best as he could, a historical narrative of the life of Jesus. And later, a narrative of the church. But right now, we're working on the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus was a real person. I want you to hold that in your mind. Because we spent a lot of time the last few sermons talking about parables. But there was an actual Zacchaeus. If you went back in time, you could shake his hand and you could say, you know what? You're not as short as I thought you were, according to the Bible. Because it doesn't tell us how short he was. 
They just tell us he was, well, remember the song? He was a wee little man. So what can we learn from Zacchaeus, the real person? Well, I don't know if you know this. My son and I, well, I don't know if you know this, period. My son and I were talking, and in my research, I found out that some scholars believe that Zacchaeus became the bishop of Caesarea. Caesarea is north of Jerusalem, on the coast, and uh, he was supposedly the bishop there, and the bishop after him was Cornelius, who was the centurion at Jesus' crucifixion. So Zacchaeus didn't just change his life in the story. According to church history, he changed his life forever. Jesus saw him, knew his name, and wanted to change his heart. He saw him as a potential saint and not as a sinner. So there are four lessons I think we can learn from Zacchaeus. And uh, this also resonates with Jonah that we're doing in in Bible study. And those of you that were here this morning, you could nod vigorously because number one is when you hear the voice of Jesus, respond. Jesus calls, we need to respond. We can't be bumps on the log. We can't be pew warmers. We have to do something. Number two is this. When you see yourself as Jesus sees you, be ready to grow and change. Jesus sees your potential, what you can be. Uh, we were visiting yesterday, one of our members whose mother house is up for sale, and Vicki and, and our friends started talking about the walls that would come down. And, and we've all learned from HGTV to look at a house now with what it could be, not what it is. Oh, we need to redo the kitchen and the bathroom needs this. And if this wall came down, we could have, what's it called? Open concept. Never heard of open concept till I met Vicki. When I was a kid, you bought a house, you got what you bought. You didn't get, right? Maybe a little paint and wallpaper, but pretty much you got what you got. People don't see it that way anymore. Think of that as your life. Jesus looks at your life with what it could be. Number three here is let the change affect your entire life. The church struggles with this. I know we do. Not just our church, but every church. We, we come, we hear the word, and then we go home and the word doesn't follow us. I read something this week that really stuck with me. If you're going to change your life, God needs to be in charge of your date book, and your checkbook. Now that's a whole lesson right there, but I want you to think about that. If God is going to change your life, you have to let God change your entire life. That's number three. And number four, well, let me tell it to you this way. I found this story and it really stuck with me. Fred Craddock, the author, tells about an imaginary conversation he had with an old greyhound. Have you seen the people who adopt the greyhounds after they're done running in Florida? They're beautiful dogs, and the, the, uh, what they tell you is if you take them outside, you have to have them on a leash because they run. No, they'll run away, and you won't catch them. I mean, that's, and they're beautiful, beautiful dogs. So Fred is having an imaginary conversation with the greyhound who spent his entire life chasing 
a metal rabbit around a track while people bet on him. Fred says, I was visiting a home where a greyhound had been adopted, and he and I were left in the living room together while the family went in the other room to finish dinner. So I struck up a conversation with the old dog, and I said, do you miss the glitter and excitement of the track? The dog grunted. He said, no. What's the matter, Fred asked. You get too old and stopped winning and get treated badly? The dog raised his paws as if to say, I still got some race in me. I won over a million dollars for my owner. I was treated royal. Then what happened? The dog laid down and grunted, I quit. Fred asked, why did you quit? And the dog said, I discovered what I was chasing was not really a rabbit. The dog raised up and stared me in the eyes as if to say, all that running and running and running and what I was chasing wasn't even real. Fred says it reminds him of a little man up a tree named Zacchaeus. But it could be you, or maybe it's me. It's the story that is real, as right as a little man up a tree. We got a new t-shirt. Be the person Jesus sees you to be. Let the potential you have be realized. So here we are, all of us together, up a metaphorical sycamore tree. Jesus sees you and calls you by name and invites himself to your home in Cherry Hill or Hamilton or Mullica Hill or Vineland. When he gets to your house, what will he find? What will you want to hide or change? And are you ready to make that change now? Because Jesus sees you. Amen.